0: Thank you, Chris. I got to pay him for that later. He yeah, has the best introductions, I tell you. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Ah, ah, Good morning, everybody. I heard a few. There we go. There we go. There we go. Hold on, Let me get set up real quick. All right. Well, it's good to see everybody again and I'm grateful to be part of this sermon series. Um <clears throat> and uh I've I've just been loving what the Lord has been doing and uh I'm excited to to build on that today. And the sermon series is called Recovering. Oh, there goes Kevin. What's going on, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I, my man came back and Liz they're a family of ours, so I'm sorry. All right, um Yes, yeah, so uh recovering discipleship and recovering some things that have been lost to those that were closest to Jesus, right? And so um we're going to dig in. Uh let me say a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we just we just thank you and we need you this morning, oh God. Thank you for how you've met people already in worship, how you met them through prayer and prophecy, and your Holy Spirit's guiding and leading, how you met them and met us through this baby dedication, God. Um, And even the announcements, Lord, just pray that you meet us here, God, for every burden that We may have carried through this through the door, pray that we can leave it at your altar. And that we can leave feeling more liberated, stronger, and having more faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, I want to read the scripture, and it reads, where we've been studying. And I've been loving that we've been repeating it every Sunday. There's just a power in it. We're going to go to Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Those who are being saved. God bless the readers and doers of His Word. <clears throat> so, um, I was on a plane earlier this week, and I was actually thinking about how how amazing technology is, and and science, and how far we've come, and. In today's time in 2022. And I, I thought to myself, what if, what if I could take a quantum leap back to nineteen ninety-seven when I was about 14 years old entering high school and could talk to my 14 year old self. And uh and I could tell the younger Donald, <laughs> I'll tell him, you know, CDs are obsolete, they don't use CDs no more. Um, They don't use VCRs, you don't got to record anymore. I'll tell them, they actually have like, we we all have cell phones, there's smart cars, there's this person called Alexa that's like, responsive to your voice, sort of like Judge Dredd and stuff like that. You also have GPS and you can navigate, you don't have to use a big map anymore. Like he might think, you're living in the Jetsons age, right? (laughs) And I'll be like, no, no, this, we're not that far in advanced. But he would be amazed. And he might ask, you know, are people more kind, more just, more united with all that information? And I'll probably have to say no. <laughs> um, though our communication capabilities have grown exponentially our communication skills have sort of declined. Um, We become more aware when the information age, but we're also more distracted. We have more options. We have more access to things, but we've also become less devoted. And so in some ways, we have become smarter. In some ways, we become more dumb. And so one thing that our technology, it, it, it saves us time and energy, but it, it hasn't saved our memory. As much as it tries with all our notifications and our calendars and all the things that we have, I find that we are still very forgetful. Maybe I'm just talking to myself here. But We are very forgetful, and I think that's one of our worst habits is that we can forget things. It can be a small thing from looking for your cell phone while it's in your hand, or something bigger, like somebody's anniversary, or a loved one, or a dream that you used to have, or maybe worst of all, we can forget our Heavenly Father we can forget his commands we can forget his love for us we can forget those things that are valuable to us and this is and what's interesting is we can be we can forget in the good days when the sun is shiny and we can forget when the storms are raging both the good and both the bad can cause us to have foggy memories of our great God and our need for him. And when we forget our Heavenly Father, we lose a part of ourselves. We lose others. We kind of lose our placing where we're at. But the funny thing is we think we know where we're going. And so God is very very aware of our knack and our bad habit, our defect of forgetting when you look throughout the scripture, you see Israel, <coughs> excuse me, going to and fro. You're doing good one moment, slipping off the next moment. We see flip-flopping throughout scripture. And you're like, how in the world are these people uh, not remembering what the Lord has done? And so God factors in that defect, and he, and he, and, and he says in our scripture, he says, remember. He says things like, do not forget. I think remember is mentioned at least 240 times. I don't know how much never forget is mentioned. But, but God sees this thing that we are like sheep prone to stray and, and forget. And he tries to help us. Things like Deuteronomy 6 and 12 we see, then Take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Things like, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. These things we see throughout scripture. And what does God do to try to help us with our amnesia problem? He does many things. One thing that I love about what we see in the Bible is we see this creation of memorials and traditions. So like when Jacob had a huge conflict with his family and betrayed his brother and betrayed his father and he ran out, God met him in the desert and uh, gave him a promise to restore him and restore his family, and he saw a ladder. And I probably talked about this before in other sermons, but it was a ladder of angels coming from heaven to earth, going to and fro. And God makes this promise that I'm going to be with you. And then when Jacob wakes up, he was, he was sleeping on a rock, and he said, this rock, he, he honored this. He said, this is the place where the Lord met me, and he called it Bethel. So if you see churches named Bethel, that's the reason why they're named Bethel. It's it's a place of encounter with God. And he chose to mark it as a memorial so he wouldn't forget that God met him there. And another place we see where God instructs people to actually, Jacob made this memorial just out of his excitement, right? But other places we see God telling people to make this memorial, make this tradition Mark, wrap it around your neck, right? We see these things in Proverbs. One of the biggest traditions that we see was the Passover. And this Passover was a reminder of one of the biggest moments in history when God delivered a small group Called Israel, who had no army, who had no government, delivered them from one of the mightiest empires in the world of Egypt. And God led them out with a strong arm, an oppressed people. God said, I hear their cry, and he made a way for them through plagues and through splitting the Red Sea. It's miraculous deliverance that God showed himself strong and he wanted them not to forget what he did and I remember hearing this story when I was younger in Sunday school and I was like how could somebody ever forget a God using a pillar of fire all the plagues splitting the Red Sea and yet you can kind of like forget that he did those things you can become ungrateful well, life goes on, and you forget in your sunny days, you forget in your bad days. And so, God instituted this Passover as a reminder for them to be intentional, to be intentional about being connected to His goodness, to His deliverance, to His love, to His grace that He is with them. Because remember, when you forget God, You forget a piece of yourself. You forget your neighbor. You forget where you're at. Everything becomes foggy. That's why the Bible says in him is truth. And it also calls him the father of lights. And in him is no darkness. And so when we get away from God, things become blurry. And so God uses these mills. The Passover is a meal that Israel had every year to remind them, this is how God delivered us from Egypt. Take heed to his commandments. That's what God, God just asked people to do two things, love him and love their neighbor. The, the, other, the other commandments are all caught under those two umbrellas. And so God uses, he doesn't just want cognitive exercise for you to remember. He uses the Passover meal as an experience where it's not just a person and themselves, but it's a community. It's using all of their senses, their sight, touch, taste, smell. It involves their whole person because God delivered their whole person. Right. And so God is using this as a recollection to bring people together together and to keep them on the right path. And so this Passover meal was very important, and it was celebrated throughout the Old Testament. And now we're in the New Testament, and we see Jesus builds off of this tradition in the Gospels. In the Gospels, we see Jesus take on a ruler an empire bigger than Egypt, bigger than Pharaoh. We see God split a a Red Sea that was bigger than the Red Sea. We see God not just lead a small people group, but all of mankind Jesus is putting on his back for deliverance from sin and death. This exodus includes everybody. And so... We see Jesus shows the ultimate demonstration of love through this act that the world didn't even really demand or ask of him, but it was his initiative because he loved us so much to come in our space, to take on flesh, to take on our body, take on our experience and sacrifice his life. And so then he raises up from the grave and he empowers us to go do likewise. And, but before he dies, before the night that he surrenders himself, he has a dinner with his disciples. And this dinner, they all gather around. They're chilling. The disciples don't know everything that's about to happen. But this is what I love about Jesus like, when we talk about following Jesus, we got to get real specific because he does a lot of things. He, he, he touches a lot of people's lives. He, he goes out of his way to, to pray. He goes out of his way to be with people. He can even cook, y'all. Do y'all know Jesus can cook, right? He, he does all these things. And we got to get specific about who Jesus is and who we're following, because that is there should be a a map in your mind the life of Jesus should be so embedded in your conscious that when you encounter things, you can roll out that map and you can see, oh this is how this is how Jesus responded to authority. This is how Jesus responded to to the vulnerable. this is how Jesus responded to those that are prideful. This is how Jesus responded when he was tired. There should be that Jesus map in your mind that you can take out to help you navigate, how should I respond at work? How should I respond in school? That is what following Jesus means. And so it's not just because we use Jesus sometimes, it's just a carbon copy, and we don't really get to the real Jesus, The real Jesus that flips over tables, the same Jesus that silently writes in the sand and say, he that is without sin cast the first stone, right? He has different ways that he responds, and some we are more attached to because of our personality, some we are more repelled to because of our personality, but we have to embrace the whole Jesus and become more like him. That's what it means to die to self, that we may decrease, that he may increase. But let's go to this dinner where Jesus is chilling with his disciples. It says, Luke 22. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he too... And I'm sorry. And he took a cup and then he had given thing. He had given thanks. He said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and likewise the cup after they had eaten saying this cup this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood a couple of things here that should stand out to you based on our conversation already he said do this in remembrance of me the the brilliance of god to know that we are forgetful He asks us to do this in remembrance of me, and so this became the practice of his disciples going forward. They didn't know what was about to happen. They didn't know when he was saying, I'm about to suffer, but they understood it when it happened and when he came back and he explained everything, and they continued this tradition or sacrament or communion. Now, what does this have to do With Acts 2.42. Let's go back. What does it say? It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, here's, here's the thing. At first glance, you might think breaking of bread is just eating together and just fellowshipping and communing. You know, chilling out. Uh, I'm all, I, I pronounced it good all week. I get up here in front of you guys. I can't pronounce it. Koinonia. All right. But it's a little bit more. Verse 26 points more to that. But this breaking of bread um, points more to the Lord's supper or the Lord's dinner. That last night in the eve when Jesus was chilling, this is what the breaking of bread means. I mean more I mean some people would put it to and fro but most scholars think the breaking of bread means the Lord's supper. And that's because Luke was aware of the practice. Luke was the writer. He was aware of the practice and the breaking of bread that specific phrase for them in the Hebrew pointed more to the breaking of loaf, which, which referred back to that last evening, and it means the Lord's dinner, Lord's supper. And so, which, which is talking about Christ's body, his death, what he gave for us, the significance of that. It's pointing us to that moment. And now when, when Jesus, just, just for any maybe new believers who may have never seen this text before, Jesus is not talking about eating of his body. He's not talking about drinking of his blood. That's not the vibe here. That's not, it's not that type of party, all right? This is symbolism, all right? The bread being broken, meaning his body was about to be crucified. The wine was representative of blood, and some can say the vine, Jesus called himself the true vine. And so points to life. So he's talking about you're in agreement and participation with this sacrifice that I've made on your behalf. That's all it is. It's just like the Passover meal. Right. Everything just had a significance. It's a reminder of what he's did. And so. We want to recognize the importance of Jesus saying, do this in remembrance of me. Never forget. Never forget. There are things in this world that is trying to uh, take your attention away. How easy it is to be on your phone and lose track of time. From Twitter to Instagram to your email. There are so many things vying for your attention. I mean, you're in unprecedented times. This is uncharted territory of how how much distraction comes in, I remember I remember being a freshman in college taking the, my business management class, and they said, "You know billions of dollars are spent in advertising to get your attention right and ads and that's before the internet was even even full throttle what it is now right and and so there are you are in a time where your attention is being vied for, and people." Technology is very slick and the algorithms pick up what you're interested in. So if you're interested in basketball, you're always going to get those videos about basketball or cooking and they're going to keep you there. But we as a people have to fight to keep our attention on Christ. You can't passively remember Christ. You have to aggressively, intentionally focus on him. And it is to our benefit, it is to our growth, it is to our life, it is to our family's life. And so when Jesus is telling us to do this in remembrance of me, he wants you to remember that the, the body, the bread I, is broke for you. The cup, it, it's for you, it's for us, it's for his children, It's for it's for us, and can we... Can we get that in our mind? Because how many voices are telling us you're by yourself? You're on your own. Nobody really understands what you're going through. I'll tell you the truth. This week has been an ironic week for me because I was telling somebody on my way here, probably been one of the best weeks of my life probably been one of the worst weeks of my life, one of the highest moments and one of the worst moments, a crisis that, that's been going on, dealing with homelessness in my family. It's been very hard to just move on. I feel guilty when I enjoy certain things. Certain, it's, like, it's like this boulder that I can't move, that I'm trying hard to move, that I can't move it. It's there, and I cry out to God about it every day. And so it's really tough, and you may be going through, you may have your own boulder that just, it's like it stays there, and you can't move it. But this is where Jesus reminds us to trust in him, have faith in him, Though we may not know the outcome for all things, we do know our God is faithful and he loves us and he will bring us through. And we hold to his hands in the darkness and know that he will bring us out. And that is the promise that God has given to us. He said, this sacrifice is for you. And so it's in those vulnerable moments when the enemy says, see, God doesn't love you. You see, God is not your child. Oh, You see, God is not real. How can this suffering happen? And that is where we have to remind ourselves of this love of our Christ for us. So when we take communion, yes, it's an agreement with our great Savior, but it's also in participation with him. It's that... We would carry our cross. It's that we would continue to die to ourselves. It is that we would continue to love our neighbors, love those who despitefully use us. It is that we would continue to pray and focus. It is that we would lay down our anxiety, lay down our pride, lay down our greed for him. Communion also asks us to examine ourselves, to reflect. Um, Reflection is key to growth. God knows where we are. Do we know where we are? And if you commune with God, he will let you know where you're at. It is a reminder of relationship that is what the deliverance is all about it's all about bringing us back into the family back into purpose because outside of god there there is no purpose outside of god we become our own gods and we know we don't make good gods it is community based Com- this 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 lord's supper this the sacrament we take we take it together now this meal looks different in various traditions here we take it once a month um together um some help dip the bread in the wine we used to do that in the beginning we would, we have a cup here we would dip it Right? Some have a shared cup, some we have wafers, bread or juice. Um, the frequency can vary of how much you do communion uh, monthly once a year. but the point is to do it and the And the good part is you don't have to do it just here monthly with the church. You can do it with your family. You can do it with your with your believer friends at home, and you can just take time to reflect on his great sacrifice for us, his relationship for us, all that he did through his life. The communion is celebrating his life, his death, death, resurrection, and ascension, right? His full life, his full life, Jesus' full life. I don't I don't like to skip past that because sometimes we talk about the gospel, we talk about his death, burial, resurrection. But it's his life—how he showed us how to live, how to love people, how to fight for justice, how to be patient, how to steal away and pray, how to believe, how to fight for for women and and those that are vulnerable, like he did in his time in society. His full life, his death, his resurrection. We take communion. We reflect on that. And so with that said, <clears throat> the, the worship team can come up. I just hear God speaking to us this morning to never forget. What are the times and seasons where you can become more forgetful? I want you to reflect on that for a second. When are you more likely to become forgetful of your father, forgetful to pray, forgetful to love your neighbor? When are those times for you? I want you to give those times to God, surrender that. And then what are the practices like communion, like reading his word, like devotion, what are those things that we could help combat our forgetfulness? Whether you need to put it on your mirror, whether you need to put more reminders in your phone, whether you need to tell a friend, hey, you know, these days I find that I struggle. Can you, can you give me a call and pray for me or just lift me up or check on me? We have to be aggressive about our pursuit and our follow of Jesus because the kingdom of darkness is very aggressive but the beautiful thing about the darkness and the light is that darkness can never compare to the light. It can never beat the light. Hate can never win over love and so um, can you stand with me? If you're in need of prayer, the prayer team is available now. You know what's beautiful about this, never forgetting, is that regardless of whether we forget or not, God never forgets us. Regardless of our amnesia or our behavior, God always remembers us and puts us to his forefront. And so Hope Astoria, you are loved. You are cared by the heavenly father. And I want you to embrace that. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time. God, I... I, ask that you forgive us of where we've been forgetful where we did not commune Lord I pray that we can always keep our minds on your life your death and your resurrection to help us with our family to help us at work to help us at school to help us with our depression, of where we have lost our loved ones, of where we are bruised and scarred. God, we need you. We thank you for taking those scars for us. And that you have invited us to your dining table. Let us commune with joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.